Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of, episode of the Chronicles of Mister. I'm Mister Pierre, and I'm really happy to be joined by Mister Menzel. Mister Menzel, did I say that right? Yeah, you did definitely. Right. That's Menzel for sure. Excellent, excellent. So here on the Chronicles of Mister, the community is accustomed to hear educators, um, and although you are not in the sphere of education, as a black man who's a student. Earning yeah. his uh, PhD, if I'm not mistaken, in what field exactly are you earning in? Uh, psychology. Psychology, excellent. So our kiddos, our teachers need it. Um, so I'll throw it over to you. Like, how did you get into the field that you're in? Yeah, for sure, man. I guess it's been years and years in the making. So I'm originally from College Park, Georgia. Um, I've been in Atlanta my whole entire life. Um nice. I feel like, you know, unknowingly, I've been pushed in the direction towards psychology, towards being in the helping profession. So um, how did it start? I mean, I applied to UGA, went to UGA for undergrad, had no idea what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be some doctor. And it turns out God had that in plans, but it definitely wasn't the type of doctor I was thinking of. I was thinking more of a medical doctor. Um, You know, take these high-level science classes and get humbled. And you say, you know what, God, that ain't it for me. So what's next? So um, I had a high school teacher who who taught psychology and I thought he was really dope. So I was like, you know what? Let me see what psychology is talking about. And I always would say, like, my friends would always come to me for advice. And I just I'm going to try psychology. Um, End up getting into the psychology space. Didn't have many mentors Didn't have many people um, in the space that I knew. Um, So I got a a mentor, uh, Dr. Aisha Mesker. She took me under her wing. She's a black woman as well. She took me on her wing at the University of Georgia. I mean, she trained me up, prepared me for a PhD program. I remember telling her, like, I, I just want to get a master's and, you know, and, and, and that'd be it. And I remember her, like, close, she's like, close my door. She's like, you're going to get this PhD. <laughs> this is what you're going to do. And I was like, is, is that really what I'm going to do? And she's like, that's what you're going to do. Um, and she said that because of the the money situation. Like, you know, right. a lot of master's students have to pay out of pocket, whereas PhD um, they'll find you funding more, more quickly. So end up getting, getting in the PhD program, end up learning a lot, um, end up finding my place here and now work under Dr. Candace Hargon and she's training me to, to be a doctor. And I think that's dope. So I'm in a space now of working with, uh, a lot of black folks, um, helping the community heal, uh, and pursuing community healing. So, so that's, I think that's something. something like that, uh, Mr. Mice, I like, Kiddos who are thinking of like, all right, I'm going to earn either my associate or my bachelor. Maybe I want to go on for more edu- more education, maybe a master's or a PhD, but not knowing something as, I don't want to say as simple, but uh-huh. every dollar makes sense. And so to know you've got a mentor who's like, hey, hey close the door. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> that in and of itself is, is like knowledge is power. For sure. For sure. And it's, um, it's interesting because now even like expanding that thought process of like phd versus masters for one phd is hella school so if you know exactly what you want to do already then yeah. you may not get that phd but um for me right. i'm definitely very indecisive and i get bored with things very quickly so phd was a good route because i mean i'm being trained to be like i could be an educator be a professor mm-hmm. i could be a researcher i could be a therapist i could be a consultant i could be a politician like the thing that they're training us to do gives us um like skills in almost any field so like the reason i think now looking back that a phd was good for me because of the flexibility that it gives me like 
say if I work as a therapist for 10 years and I'm tired of it, I can just switch careers because I have the credentialing to do that. So like, and I, and I didn't know that at the time that she was in a PhD, but in yeah. retrospect, I wish I would have known that because it's like, yeah, that's definitely a selling point for me, that flexibility that the job gives you. And, and, and this is what I'm hoping this podcast will help educators mm-hmm. is that the more you know, the better you're equipped to make whatever decision is best for you at that particular time. Because like you're saying, if you're a kiddo who, let me not say kiddo, if you're a young person, you go in, you earn your bachelor's, you're about to, you just spend four years. Okay. What do I want to do? Yeah. Do I want to go back in or do I want to get out, make a little something, then go back in knowing what you know now, like, what would you tell your younger self? Oof. About, okay, what I tell my younger self about coming into the field of psychology and doing this type of work? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Man, you know, I would definitely, something I would tell my younger self, I would prepare my younger self for the amount of self-work that was going to have to happen to be in a helping Ooh. profession. Um, oftentimes in helping professions, we spend a lot of time focusing on other people. But I learned, especially during the pandemic, that as I was being trained, I was forced to focus on myself in ways that I feel like, you know, typical masculinity or hegemonic masculinity didn't allow me to focus on myself. So I would find myself like in class being trained on how to be a therapist and like talking about emotion. And I was like, dang, this is difficult for me right now, because not Mm -hmm. only was I not emotionally competent, but I knew I would feel emotions, but didn't know how to deal with them. Um, and, and it really forced me to reckon with a lot of things that I probably have avoided throughout my whole life. Um, and that's a difficult thing to go through to be trained, help somebody else. And then ultimately that training also helping you too. So I would prepare myself for what that would look like for me because I was completely caught off guard. I mean, I've always been one of the, the self-aware friends. I've always been one of the friends who knew about emotions as it pertained to everybody else, but it came to me being a black, a black body. That was difficult to wrestle with. So prepare me for that because I wasn't ready for that, man. I wasn't ready. That you're touching on something that as an educator, I've said to others, is like be aware of what your triggers are because when you're in front of the younger people, whoo, them jokes are gonna come out. And if you are not aware of it, you're then going to inflict inflict trauma. Onto kiddos who are who are innocent, who don't deserve yep. it. Yep, yep, and that's so important. Like awareness for me, I think awareness is the first step. Like being aware of some of your triggers, uh, being aware of the emotion that you feel is that initial step towards understanding yourself and also healing from certain things, depending on what you're going through. But I would even take that a step further and say the the piece of not only awareness, but moving into a space of reckoning what these things mean could be possible. Like thinking in terms of trauma or having a response to something, like why in that space did you have that response? What does that response mean to you? And and, and, and how do you make sense of it? Like, how do you process through that? I, I think that during my training, I really had to reckon with some things. And it was, it was a time because you know, during the pandemic, we're all isolated. I moved to this freaking state, Kentucky, by myself. I don't know nobody here. We all in the house on Zoom. <laughs> it's nothing but Zoom University and tears. Okay, I'm being exact. I'm exaggerating, but Zoom <laughs> University and really just figuring out, like, okay, 
who am I? What am I doing in this space? What am I doing right now? How do I feel? What does that mean for me? So, and right, like thinking in terms of clients, like how can I help somebody in this space um, when I haven't even done a, even a portion of my own work? So mm-hmm. that, that really did make me take on a portion of my work. And of course the work is lifelong, but it definitely pushed me in that direction um, and pushed me in the space of just, just healing in general. Ooh, I'm sure there's someone who's listening who's like, I want to, I don't know how to, what would you say is like the first step in terms of that acknowledgement and and then eventually, 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 yeah, I would say, I can speak from my own experience in terms of caretaking, right? Like I spent a lot of times taking care of a lot of people. Um, and that's, you know, that's who I am. I'm, 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 that's what I want to do in life. I want to help people heal. Um, but I think I didn't realize when those behaviors went in overdrive. So thus, I spent a lot of time looking out for my friends, trying to check in on my family. Um, and that's normal. But when that takes place of taking care of yourself or checking in with yourself, that's when it becomes a problem. So I would say really prioritize how you feel and what you need which is a really weird thing to ask somebody, like prioritize what you need. Because I'm sure if someone was to ask you, like, what do you need right now? You'd be kind of stuck. You'd be like, I don't know. What, what do I need? Because we all need something. You know, so right. what do we need? I think the first yeah. step is really figuring out what you need and pr- prioritizing your own needs, which can feel selfish, but selfish gets a bad rep. Sometimes it's okay to be selfish um, and really prioritize some of the things you need. So really stepping away from the caregiving behaviors or the caretaking behaviors and focusing on self. That's what the isolation during COVID allowed me to do. Um, it allowed me to focus on myself in my apartment all the time. <laughs> so, so now that we are, I don't want to say on the other side, but further along, mm-hmm. what are some yeah. things that you have developed or gleaned that you're like, Hey, I wish we had this sooner. Oh, communication okay. by far communication prior to like coming to um, Kentucky, getting into my program. I used to pride myself on like cutting off situations, cold Turkey without even the need to talk about it. Like I'd be like, if somebody did something to me. I didn't like, I'd be like, okay, you're out of it. You're done. And that'll be it. And I would go on about my life without feeling no type of hurt, no type of pain. It would just kind of be, it is what it is. And I used to love that about myself, but I got to a point where I was like, that don't make no sense. Why is it that you feel the need to cut off somebody that's been in your life for three years at this point or wherever, however long they've been in my life? Why do you feel the need to cut them off because of one mishap? Because what I've learned in my program is that, or not in my program, what I've learned through my own self-work is that, you know, I don't believe in the idea of growing out of relationship, but I do believe in the idea of growing with and through relationships. Um, and as people change, as I change, and my friend change, my mom change, my brother change, all these people are changing, so am I. So I think the real task is figuring out how to make sure that um, you're able to continue to grow and be safe, but also to maintain your relationships. Of course, if there's a if there's a habitual offender, then you know they might have to get cut off. But being able to communicate when there's an issue, being able to talk through it, being able to humanize when there are issues, like nobody's going to be perfect. I've caused offense. Um, and I will continue to call the fans because that's just life. Like I'll make mistakes. Um, and I hope that people will give me grace in knowing my heart um, 
in ways that I didn't always give other people grace. So if I was to sum that answer up, because I want to ramble, but if I was to sum that answer up, <laughs> I would definitely say like, I've learned to communicate when things go astray and also give people the same type of grace that I would want as well. And if I would have had that skill a long time ago, man, I, 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 I would, uh, I would have gotten myself, I wouldn't have been in half of the situation I, I, I was in. So definitely not the cut off the skill. Yeah. What is that? I was asking, is there a skill that you've uh, refined in that of, uh, what I was going to say? You mentioned the communication, mm-hmm. being able to better communicate. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, for sure. So what I've learned is that communication is the key to relationships. I don't want to think I'm this relationship guru, but I was like, I kind of cracked the code in this. Um, what I've learned is in, in, in relationships is that we kind of like let, let a lot of things slide that bother us instead of just instantly correcting it, instantly addressing it and keeping it pushing. So say if there's a relationship, two people are hanging out, one person does something that another person don't like. It's, in, instead of like talking through it and making and not making it a big deal, a lot of people be like, note it, note it noted and then there's a straw that breaks the uh the horse's back instead of just honestly addressing what's going on and telling people what you need and how it made you feel um and in doing so the straw that broke the camel's back or the horse's back is literally because somebody stepped on your toe and did something new so now it's like you'll hear people always be like oh i only did this and it's like well they've been keeping a whole mental note of all the things you've done um and then the other other side of the argument is, well, you should have told me. And I realized that the, you should have told me actually have a little bit of merit because how do you expect somebody to know how to deal with you? How do you expect somebody to know how to love you if you don't communicate those needs? And that ties back into the original part that I was saying, like, I didn't really know what I need because I didn't prioritize myself. So uh, getting in touch with what I needed was able to allow me to communicate those needs to some of the people I love the most. Um, and when they weren't able to meet those needs or when they were treating me in ways that I feel like I wasn't able to be treated, I would just address it and move on. I also did, I've learned to stop harping on situations, right? So yeah. not only do you address situations, like there's no need to be angry for two weeks after addressing it, like address it, you know, you talk it out and you keep it pushing. And I've learned that that has helped me have seamless and more meaningful relationships because, oh yeah, back in the day, if you used to try me up, you get cut off or I'm not, I'm not talking to you. And this is, you know, I don't want to deal with it. That's what I always say. Like, life shouldn't be so difficult. I don't want to deal with that. But actually, life is difficult and make it more difficult by ignoring things that are bothering us. And I just in this space right now, it choose choose not to ignore those things. Just talk about it and normalize it. Like, it's not awkward to tell people what you need and how they bother you. Like, it's a very normal thing. We trying to make it weird. Like, we trying to start an issue. And it's like, nah, it ain't that. I'm just letting you know something right quick. And that's all it got to be. Got to be no more than that. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is if you are an educator, for example, mm-hmm. and you would like some sort of process, either handing in papers, handing out equipment or whatever, calculators as a math teacher for me. Let your kiddos know that. Communicate that. They can't read your mind. And if they make yep. a mistake, like address it that in that moment and not, you know, two or three days later, like, oh, kiddos, I'm mad at you because of something you did three days ago. It's like, no, hey, kiddos, I like to do it this way. Please do it this way for this reason. 
And if they know that rationale, they're good. For sure. And even when, like, even to take that a step further, one thing I've learned with working with kids is that kids actually like, like to know the why. So I was working with a client. I work with a lot of, um, like, a lot of uh, kid clients. Uh, they're, like, yep. middle school, I want to say, uh, maybe late elementary school type thing. Um, and we'll talk about things in therapy. And one thing I realized with working with them is they like to know the why behind they're doing something. For instance, if there's a mom and, you know, she tells her, her child, hey, text me when we make it home safe from school. The, you say those things and it's like, yeah, do it because I said so. But also, too, there's a lot of merit in doing it because you're there's a lot of merit in doing it because your mom is concerned about your safety, you know, or and kids need to know that. So explaining that, hey, I'm telling you to do this and this is also why I'm telling you to do it. So even you know, applying it to educators uh, context, um, you know, I'm telling you to submit this assignment in this type of way because of this. So giving them a reason why, because I think in the black community, we definitely have a because I said so type of mindset. And I kind of get it. But also, too, we just need a lot more as humans. We need a lot of more context to be able to respect rules. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's something that, at least what I've seen, there are some educators who forget you're talking to human beings. They're just mm-hmm. human beings. Yep. And if there was a disrespectful tone or whatever aimed at you as a human being, you'd be like, no, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it's cool to do it for them? And so those are things that I, when I'm coaching or talking to new teachers, it's like, just remember, be mindful of all of this. Yeah. What you just mentioned about the rationale, super important as well. Oh, for sure, so, sure. Yeah. I'd like to ask my guests, like, what's bringing you joy, whether it's professionally or personally, just at this moment in time? Yeah, um, bringing me joy. I, I like to travel a lot. Um, I'm taking, like, travel at this point is my form of self-care. Being in the PhD program is already demanding. I mean, the reason why I don't encourage people to go in, I think PhD program have to be a individual decision that you have to make, and I'm not about to tell nobody to go get it. Like, that's what you want to do. You're not going to be helpful and talk you through that. But I think that it's just a demanding process to put any human being through. So I think that has to be a decision that you make for yourself. Um, that being said, shit, man, getting this PhD is something else. You know, it, require, it requires you to be in so many different spaces. And I think that traveling has allowed me to be able to just unwind and get back in tune with God and myself in ways that I don't feel like I was able to do when I was local in, in Kentucky or in Lexington. So I, traveling brings me a lot of joy, and I do a lot, a lot of traveling. I'm not going to lie. There was one where you did the slide. Yeah. Yeah. I said, bro, bro, that's on my bucket list this now. <laughs> yeah, the rainbow <laughs> slide in El Salvador, man. It was a, a great time. And, you know, just things like that, like just being out of the country, uh, meeting new people, seeing how people live, um, seeing the joy that they have. Um, how contagious that can be across the world. Like, yeah. that's one of my favorite things to dabble into. And I'm getting my PhD in counseling psychology. Uh, people are always like, how do you travel? And like, that's a part of my studies. If you think about it, like, <laughs> I want to be an expert in human beings and relationships and the mind. And traveling exposes me to so much outside of American culture. Like, we in America, we we communicate in some, some, some different ways. We operate in some different ways. And going across the world can help me really get a more comprehensive understanding of human behaviors. In the mind and how that plays out within relationships. So 
traveling thing right now, and I hope I can keep doing my whole life. I want to go to all all the countries in the world, but nice. we'll see. Nice, nice. I I agree with you. When folks are able to get out of their comfort or comfort zone and able to expand and see just the world outside their block, mind blown. Yeah, yeah. change so. I also like to ask guests if you were to create a playlist right now. I'd say five songs, but you could say five artists, five albums, five genres, if you will. What would be on that playlist? Oh, that's so difficult, man. So I'm a music fan. Like, I listen to music. At least five. It could be more. Okay, okay. I'll do albums. So, um, am I am I freezing on your end? Good. good. Okay. Um, so the way I listen to music is that I do albums at a time. So like I do have songs that I will listen to probably on a one-off, but like I like to listen to albums at a time. So right now, uh, let me see. My favorite album I'm listening to, Blonde by Frank Ocean. Um, that's always in rotation year round since it dropped. I'm also listening to Her Loss, Drake and 21 Savage. Um, I've gotten a a really new affinity for Marvin Gaye, uh, particularly his album. Uh, I want to say Let's Get It On. That's the one I've been listening to. Um, that has to keep you satisfied and distant lover. That whole album is just butter. Like he is smooth as butter. I don't get that man. He's amazing. So I say uh, Marvin Gaye. Um, let's see. I'm always having Stevie Wonder in rotation in some type of capacity. I'll say. Um, Mm. What's, what's Stevie Wonder? Mm. All of Stevie Wonder's discography. It's really hard to pick one. But um, I would say Stevie Wonder and then, let's see, a fifth artist that I'm listening to right now. Let's go Tasha Cobbs. Um, her live album, A Heart Passion Pursuit, is always one that takes me to some good spaces too, spiritually. So that would be my top five if I had to pick right now in this moment. But it constantly changes. Okay. Like it's changing all the time, all the, all the time. Feel you hundred percent. Depending on the season, depending on the mood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Frank Ocean, Drake, Twenty One Savage, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Tasha Cobbs. Yeah. You listen to any of those artists? Uh, the only person I'm not familiar with is Tasha Cobbs. So really? Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. She's a, she's a gospel artist, but man, she's dope. She's real cool. dope. She's real dope. Mister Myself, thank you. Thank you, thank you. What I hear and I hope folks will leave for this episode is one, take care of yourself. Sure. Two, communicate. And that communication is so vital. Don't let something fester. And three, give rationale, the why behind whatever it is that you're communicating. Would that be right? Yeah, oh absolutely. Right on the right on the money. Sweet. So anyone who's listening to this podcast, I hope you're able to glean that there's so much out there that's just waiting for you. It's a matter of you going out there and getting it. I'm hoping that Mr. Mizell will, in the future, come back. But I'm Mr. Pierre. He's Mr. Mizell. And this has been another episode of the Chronicles of Mr. We're out.